when you think about a million videos being uploaded every day to YouTube, like you have to figure out what is distinct about you. Who, who is your starving crowd and what do you have to offer them that is unique in this massive landscape? Make your next video better than your last. And if you can pick one, two key things where you're like, okay, next time, let me try to just make this a little bit better. You keep doing that. And if you're committed, like you're, you're going to get better and, and the videos will do better. They'll perform better. How you grow as a creator is expanding who you are and how you come to life in multiple different formats. What is it that you truly want like in, in life? Like what, how are you wired? Like try, try to understand who you are as a, as a person. This is Audience of One, and I'm your host, Spencer Kier. This week's guest is Ryan Hashimi. Ryan is the founder of Hashimi Studios, which helps businesses and creators grow on YouTube, as well as the former chief strategy officer of Jubilee Media, a media company provoking understanding and human connection. Ryan and I talk about the longevity of YouTube, building the Disney of empathy, keys to creating and growing on YouTube, macro and micro experimentation, copying versus being original, sabbaticals, and knowing what you want. Please enjoy. Why did YouTube initially grab your attention? And then why has it uh, sustained your, your interest for so long? Yeah. Um, I think to me, the sort of uh, democratization of content was really like powerful. The fact that, you know, someone ac across the country just hanging out in their bedroom making content that could entertain you know, hundreds of thousands of people, it just, it just, you know, my alternative was TV or, you know, um, it, it felt so novel to be able to connect to, to people on a personal level and see their own creativity come, come to light. And, uh, I, I think the first time I, I, I started using YouTube, that feeling was just unlike anything I, I've, I've felt before just this connection to random people across the world and seeing their own creative expression was just super cool. So I, and still today, like the vast majority of my consumption uh, is, is YouTube and being able to see storytelling take many different forms um, and in a sort of digitally native way that's geared towards keeping your attention and being entertaining, but highly valuable. Like the way storytelling needs to work on YouTube is just the way my brain really likes to consume content. So I just, yeah, it's just been a fit since day one. I just really love, love the sort of user generated aspect of, of storytelling. It's pretty cool. So back when you started consuming and creating and, uh, I think we're around the same age back when I started consuming content as well. Like YouTube was my, was the first place I went to, uh, watched all these obscure channels, probably couldn't even tell you the names of them anymore. Yeah. Um, but the longevity of that platform and that medium in an age of social media where you'll see new platforms crop up and die in a matter of six months. Um, mm -hmm. There's some exceptions to that, of course, but YouTube has really stood the the test of time. What do you think it is about that platform and that medium, uh, whether it's like the way they've managed features or just the fact that like medium to long form um, holds a special place or like resonates with people in a certain way. What is it about how they've been able to stand the test of time? Yeah. So I, I think actually uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons in, in my opinion, but I think 
um, one of the biggest reasons is actually how uh, vibrant the creator ecosystem is on YouTube and because YouTube prioritize, you know, prioritize that early. And I think it still today is the platform that prioritizes creators more than anyone. And so they cracked monetization and it's very, very lucrative. Like, you know, the, the sort of monetization model is amazing. I mean, to be able to make, uh, you know, 50%, nearly 50% of the ad revenue that your content generates, you just split, you know, splitsies with YouTube, like that's pretty incredible. And I, you know, a lot of, a lot of platforms are now scrambling to sort of catch up or figure out how to, how to do the same thing. But YouTube built a sustainable business around incentivizing creators to give it their all. And that I think is like really, I think that's like the biggest reason, but then yeah, feature, feature, uh, like the, the ability to sort of draw in a community on, on YouTube is, is, is pretty important. The, um, I think one of my, the biggest reasons I actually like YouTube over any other platform to consume, which I think will stand the test of time as well, especially for mid to long form content. It's a, it's an opt in experience. You, you, when you're on the platform and you decide what you want to be watching, you click into the video and you decide to watch that thing. Whereas on TikTok or even mm -hmm. with, within shorts on YouTube, it pretty much, you know, a lot of other video platforms, it's sort of a, you know, like Facebook reels. It's a consumption by, by not your own design. You just sort of sucked into this algorithm that you're swiping and then the next video comes, the next video comes. So whenever I consume TikTok, I, 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 I feel weird at, at the end of that, of that uh, experience. And YouTube, I think, has this really robust creator ecosystem, a massive da database of like humanities, you know, experience with, with long tail distribution for, for decades and this sort of opt-in experience where you sort of are controlling the destiny of your, your, your consumption and all these things combined. I feel like it, it's going to be, I feel like impossible to, to overthrow or, you know, dethrone YouTube uh, just because of how much now, how much collective like society is, 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 you know, baked into this, the database of, of, of YouTube. Um, and so they, they, they've just understood distribution better than anyone, uh, creator incentives better than anyone. And um, I, I can't see that changing. It's, it's, you know, even as we started monetizing across other platforms, you know, Snapchat, Facebook, et cetera, over the past like 10 years, YouTube's been the only one that's been like steady, like the, the only one we can sort of predict and, you know, do like financial projections around like, okay, we see CPMs generally are rising this much per, per year. Every other pla platform is just a complete crapshoot on how it's going to do year over year. So it's just, the, it's just the platform that makes, you know, the most sense, the most predictable, you know, treat, treat, prioritizes creators. It's doing all the things right. And I, I think it's going to keep doing that for, um, you know, for a foreseeable future. What do you think competing platforms, and maybe it's maybe you already answered this question, but what could competing platforms be doing better either 
to get on par with YouTube or yeah. to exceed them or build some kind of moat? Is it uh, tr treatment of creators, monetization, or is there like some other edge that they should be exploring? Some opportunity you see? Yeah, I... I really can. I've, I've, thought, I've thought about this actually for a while. Like, I cannot see how any other how any other platform sort of competes with YouTube's, uh, at least on sort of the long form, you know, video consumption. I just can't see it because unless the, unless these platforms completely change the point and purpose of their of their platform. They're just fundamentally des designed to do completely different things, and so, like when I think about Facebook, and you know, we we you know, plenty of money to be made on Facebook with with videos. Um, still, the whole experience is just completely different, and and the viewership that we get doesn't compare to the viewership on on YouTube. The long tail of the viewership, the distribution, the searchability to find things like. It's just a completely different platform. And so I, I would say like if you want to, if you're actually trying to compete with YouTube with what YouTube truly is, you sort of need to redesign your, your platform to be like the preeminent, the place for, for video to be stored, housed, distributed for, you know, forever, essentially, as opposed to the way these platforms feel like they're designed today. It's just, what is the snack entertainment of the mm. day, you know, or, or of the week? And how do we get that as many, you know, as much exposure as, as possible? Um, and then, yes, creator monetization, like these platforms are making a lot of money. And uh, I know the challenge, you know, they say is sort of attribution to like, how do we figure out who, how much money to give to who? I know it's not as complicated as they're making it seem though uh and and so if you want people to go all in you have to sort of incentivize them to to create content for content's sake you know tiktok has the sort of tiktok shop and like all these things that people are making a ton of money on which is awesome uh but i i think they they have to incentivize just the creation as well um instead of just you know like peripheral monetization capabilities um so yeah, yeah. And, uh, new entrants have a tough road ahead of them if they do want to compete on kind of so. uh, even ground yeah. with YouTube. Um, for those who are who are listening and aren't watching this, which is probably most people, you've got a, a nice uh, plaque in the background that speaks to your <laughs> success on YouTube. Yeah, um, primarily with Jubilee, uh, where you've spent yep. the last six years. And I think last week or this week is your your last week there. So we'll get into what's next. Um, but was wondering if you could just give a quick background on what Jubilee Media is and additionally, um, what you think the core competency is that, that you and that team have, um, have built that's allowed you to amass, I think it's over half a billion views. Five billion views. Yeah. Um, oh, oh well then you guys got to update the numbers on your website. <laughs> Is that on our website? That's funny. I, th I think um, I added them up, but my math might have been wrong. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Um, it's it's five billion views in total. Um, wow. Yeah, and so we we, I would say so. Jubilee is a is a mission first entertainment company, right? With the the goal of 
being the counterforce to a lot of the division, polarization happening in the world? Like, how do we actually bring people closer together, bridge divides, you know, bridge perspectives with entertainment? And so, you know, as we saw the world becoming, going in this direction, it, it, it troubled us. The idea was, how do we plant the seed of human connection in as many people's minds as possible using entertainment? And so the thesis is, you can't just like sort of preach at people or, you know, tell them what to do. You ca it's kind of like uh, chocolate covered broccoli. Like you got to give them really entertaining content that goes toe to toe with anything else they would you know, be watching their, their favorite YouTuber, their favorite Netflix show. It has to be just as good. Um, but the way the shows are designed, the people we cast, the stories we sort of are sure to include just gets you thinking a little bit deeper about other people, how you how you perceive other people, anecdotes you did, you've never heard before, to try and get you to understand, um, you know, I guess the the fullness of of humanity and and diversity of experiences. So that's that's the goal of of Jubilee, and media was is sort of step one. It's like how do let's plant the seed in as as many minds as possible, sort of like top of funnel, and then from here on out, it's pulling people in deeper to partake in the mission. So that's, that's Jubilee that the idea is sort of to build like the Disney of, of, of empathy, a whole ecosystem around, around empathy and human connection. Um, I, I know I asked you a two part question, but to go deeper yeah. on that first part really yeah. quickly, how did you, and I think you talked about this a little bit in your, your most recent uh, Twitter thread, but mm -hmm. how did you guys land on that concept? Um, because of, I think like some empathy? people, yeah. And, and yeah. like having these polarizing topics where you have open dialogue about, I think a lot of people would say, well, uh, isn't that what the news is? But, but to your point about chocolate covered broccoli, you were adding this more entertainment, uh, element to it, but still to me seems like, um, a difficult task to make something, to make that something that people consume versus, you know, Mr. Beast or something that's, that's purely entertainment. So, uh, yeah, how did you land mm. on that theme? What did that kind of journey or process of experimentation look like? Yeah, so uh, Jason, Jason, who's CEO of uh, Jubilee and you know, founded it really when it was first a, um, a nonprofit, actually, it was called Jubilee Project. Uh, you know, he really is, is the inspiration behind like this being the most important uh, thing to for us to you know stake our flag in as far as empathy, you know the the world is headed in this direction. It's you know this sort of split in society. Like we have this opportunity to be the counterforce. Then once we once we established that is our cause, um, then it was like how do we build, how do we build this into a a business, a sort of enterprise, a thing that scales and reaches as many people as possible. And that's that's where I came in was. Okay, you've got we've got this mission. How do we execute and sort of grow and scale and spread? And part of that is that I mean, you know, uh, is obviously content being a media company. And so, you know, how that trickles down into into formats. I mean, to be completely honest, we did not know. Like we the, the, we we didn't set out being like, okay, and this is exactly we know we know what we're doing. It's just a lot of experimentation and a lot of studying the digital space. So what we found is 
like just core elements uh, that seem to resonate on digital. And, you know, one of those things is high emotional stakes, like there, that there are stakes in, in video, like with, with the sort of payoff at the end. That's a core tenet or sort of uh, fundamental element that you'll see in pretty much almost all of our, maybe all of, all of our, our shows is this idea of tension. Uh, and so that is what led that, that sort of, we leaned into that to be the, the chocolate as part of, as part of the, the chocolate covered broccoli. And then we developed, so the tension, the inherent tension in, in the show concept is basic. And then it's, how do you turn this into a format, like a, a concept that, uh, from beginning to end makes sense as a show. Um, so you typically it started with that, that sort of tension concept uh, idea. Then how do we flush it out into something that keeps people watching is entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was just a lot of experimenting. So, you know, lots of ideas, lots of what we called MVPs, just like filming things with our phones, saying, does this feel right? Does this look like a show that could exist? And piloting a lot of things um, and, and, and seeing what actually worked. And yeah, over time, we, we discovered, you know, we, we've, we've made way more shows that have failed than, than actually succeed, but um, kind of got our ground, like our footing by uh, keeping sure we focused on the core elements we knew work, worked on digital and then experimenting in ways that could show up in different formats essentially can you talk more about that experimentation process and kind of engine especially from yeah. the perspective of of uh more generalizable concepts to anybody who's trying to experiment in this space yeah i think it's like i i come from a software background i know you worked mm -hmm. on software as well this, yep. this uh concept of rapid experimentation mvps a b testing is more familiar there i think yeah like people maybe don't watch uh, a 30 minute YouTube video or a Netflix show and think like, Oh, there was like experimentation there, but there is at some degree. So we'd love to True. hear some of the like principles of experimentation yeah. that people should be thinking about. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I've worked with, um, I mean, some of the biggest creators on YouTube as well and like coaching them and we'll, we'll sort of trade notes and there's honestly a lot of similarity in how people do this. And, um, you know, I'll kind of give, there's like two, two methods. I feel like the first is if you are like, let's say, let's say you've established your, your tone, you kind of have a sense for what you're making, um, you know, the, the mission, the purpose, and it's, and you're focused a little bit more on just like expansion of formats, like, you know, a, a show types or con, you know, big picture concepts. There's, there's a different kind of brainstorm for that right as opposed to just like what what videos like one what specific video can i make or should i make or especially if i'm just like starting out i don't even know what to make there's two kind of brainstorming methods there the first as far as like concepts and formats um you know really at least for what what's what's helped me is to be you know to bucket it by the type of like the niche or whatever you want to to, to live in let's just say money right or um, you know, pick a category, software, name, you name it. And then 
if if it really depends on your goal but if your goal is i think a lot of people's are is to like sort of get as much exposure and as much viewership as you can then you should really be drawing on in my opinion uh like the the human emotions that you want to elicit in the video or the show or or the you know the concept so what what i do personally when i'm brainstorming is i've got uh, a sort of like a map of human emotions is like um uh embarrassed um you know uh scared nervous uh shocked all, all i mean just it's a pretty extensive list and tying those to a theme or you know if i want to sh- think about a show about money um curiosity like all, all these things I, I start creating branches off of human emotions that i think would be strong emotions that could come out in the show and I start drawing branches out of these out of these emotions and ask myself like how do I think I can elicit this um, emotion as as much as possible in the show and then very importantly like as soon as possible how, do I feel like I can capture that emotion into a thumbnail um, and and sort of title for this show mm-hmm. or concept. Uh, if I can't, then I move on because it's, it's sort of a waste of uh, if nobody clicks it or watches it, then it's sort of a waste of time. But that that's I'd say at the highest level is I kind of create this branch of human emotions tied to sort of like themes of of, of videos that I want to be creating, and think about structures or formats or and you know now I've I've seen like thousands of shows and formats that right. there's just this kind of like you know, it's it's much easier to draw on uh, formats that might elicit an emotion for for me than maybe someone else. But um, that's kind of where I start, and then and then it's just going deeper. Um, so start at high level with emotion, with packaging, making sure that it can be captured clear in packaging, and then move into fleshing out a potential format that elicits these emotions as much as as much as possible. Um, the second bucket, and there's there's like way more here but of course that's kind of at the high high level the second bucket i would say is for a lot of people who work with me now which are like entrepreneurs or uh, people who have personal brands and they are, are wanting to start their youtube journey and they're like i don't even know like, where do i start what kind of videos do i make um the I, I mean the amount of free competitive sort of research if you will on, that exists on YouTube is, I mean, astronomical. It's, it's, you can see what people are producing and you can see how well it does, uh, you know, how, how much it resonates with people you know, from the public view counts and, and, and that sort of thing. And so oftentimes what I will do with, a, with someone is what niche are you wanting to go in? Let's just say it's finance. What we'll do is we'll create, uh, We'll just go study all the existing um, uh, channels within that niche, and we'll sort all their videos by most popular. And not like how do we copy this? Not not at all. It's actually looking at the video and asking yourself a question: uh, What about this video made it work? What what about this sort of topic, this hook, this thumbnail, this title made it work? And how can that sort of uh, human psychology that we sort of learn into, how can we apply that to what you're good at or what you 
you know, what you're trying to talk about. Um, that is a very underutilized, I think, tool is to sort of study what has worked and apply it in your own own way. Of course, the perverse version of this is just, you know, all the Mr. Beast copycats and like, you know, even for us, Jubilee, like tons of channels that just verbatim ripping, you know, what, 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 what we do. That's not what the recommendation is. It's, it's just learning and applying a completely new, you know, into a new format for, for yourself. Um, and one of my favorite things to be doing actually is I, I create a kind of a database of, of formats that exist across all genres. So food uh, to yeah, finance to automobile to, I mean, you name it, tons of formats that exist. Like there's a show called Worth It on uh, from BuzzFeed where it's like testing $1 tacos versus $100 tacos. Like these formats can apply to any, you know, genre or, or niche. And so there's a lot of not recreating, like not uh, starting from scratch and just learning the language of digital and learning the language of formats and borrowing that for your own, for your own niche. So there's just, there's, there's lots of ways to approach ideation. I think at the high, at the sort of more theoretical level, it's, it's kind of these brainstorming exercise that gets you much, much bigger picture. And, and then it's on you to sort of whittle down. And then there's sort of kind of like a bottoms up approach where it's like looking at what has worked, what mm. does work, specific videos, and then asking yourself how you can apply that to um, your own niche or uh, perspective or you know whatever you're trying to sort of talk to the world about. Uh, so those are those are the two main ways I I look at like ideation. I think the focus on emotion was particularly interesting because I think most people and I I haven't created a YouTube video, but when I think about kind of generically the, the concept of creating content, I think most people probably start with, uh, uh, of course, there's the niche or like the, the sector, but they start a level down from that with like the topic. Um, but anchoring and like, this is the emotion I'm trying to elicit and using that as your North Star, I think is fascinating. Um, yeah, I just, I just put a thread out on Cody Sanchez last, I guess it was maybe yesterday um, on, on, on Twitter. And this to me is an example of emotion first. Like the, the reason Cody Sanchez has done so well on YouTube, she, you know, she's just a little over a year in and has like a million subscribers, uh, you know, like night media who represents Mr. Beast and all the big creators, you know, wanted to sign her like, and she's just, I can't say just, but she's just like an entrepreneur. Um, like how is she beating YouTubers at her own, at, at their own game? It's because of how well she's defined. I think the human emotion of her business, which is, uh, and I, I talk to this, I talk about this to everybody I work with, which is just like, what, who, who is your starving crowd and how do you, how do you package your content to speak directly to what is causing them to be starving? And so in, in Cody's case, like there are millions of people who have, you know, feel like frustrated with life and like are unhappy. They have like miserable nine to fives and they don't feel like they have any control over their lives. And just, I mean, the list goes on and the, the promise that Cody makes and she does quite well, even in her packaging, like her thumbnail and titles is like, look, you know, imagine like, don't, don't try to start a business to, to build a better life because 95% of them fail. Uh, instead, why, why don't you 
buy an already profitable business, not even using your own money, like you don't have to put up any money. And in two to three years, you could start printing profit right into your bank account and take back control of your life and have that freedom. And she does a really good job. Like buying businesses has, has been around for decades. It's nothing new. But she's created this wave because she's so effective at speaking to the emotion, to the to the like the pain and the desire that people have that her content really resonates. Um, and she's a great presenter and all that stuff too, yes. But the emotion is really, really important. And so I think uh, there's a lot of examples like that. But yes, I... I I feel, I feel like people undervalue like emotion in their content planning uh, as well. That that pitch was uh was compelling. I see I see why uh she's amassed yeah. the audience she has. Um on the on the second note of the response you just gave a, a couple of minutes ago, you talked about this this bottoms up approach of going and analyzing what everybody else is doing uh and kind uh, trying to not necessarily reverse engineer or do that one for one, but uh, understand why it worked and then build that yep. in. How do you know when to uh, steal or borrow or remix what somebody is doing versus like building a new a new template, a new format, a new meta? So you think about uh, all the people that you mentioned earlier that are that copied Mr. Beast or have copied even Jubilee, and that works for a period of time, absolutely. Um, and there's a bit more assurance or security in that, I think, yes. because you're yeah. building off an existing format. But it That's takes right. a little bit more uh, courage to go and start your own format. So, like, how do you balance those two? Uh, are there are there any like guidelines for that, or does it come back to mm -hmm. experimentation? No, I think this is a really important question because I think it just depends on what you want to be known for and how distinct you want you know, your brand to be because uh, I think the more you double down on your mission and what's like unique to you, the, the stronger your, uh, the, the deeper your audience connection and relationship will be. And the more, I mean, you know, this is sort of like the business side of, of me, but the higher I think your sort of monetization potential is, the more unique you are in your approach with, with content. It's just, I've seen this, I feel like over the past decade, it's like copycats will work. You know, they, 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 of course you can get the views, you get the AdSense, you can even monetize, like you can sell merch and all that stuff. But if you're trying to build some, like it just depends on what your goal is. If you're like, yeah, like I'll, I'm just trying to milk, you know, some AdSense and be famous and, then sure, like try to like good great artists steal right. Like you go go for it, and um, although don't actually go for it because I'm not a big fan. But yeah. um, you know you can you can do that. But if you're trying to build some like a, a distinct brand, have a strong following, and a deep relationship with people where like no one is doing that thing, like when 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 Ryan Trahan did the sort of Penny series, and um, you know. Uh, Casey Neistat with his daily vlogs, like all, if people sort of step up to the plate to do things that like aren't being done. Just look how much this whole, whole ecosystem responds to, to, to that. Um, so I'm much more, you know, I, I, I say 
if you want to get your feet wet by starting with like light, like seeing what works and, and, and just kind of putting in the reps of being a creator, that's fine. But I think you should very quickly, once you start feeling like you have some confidence as a creator, very quickly ask yourselves like how yourself, how do I carve out a, like a really distinct niche? Cause there's a, there's a creator. Uh, do you know, have you heard of Iman Godzi by chance? Mm-hmm. Like he's this sort of like, young i don't know he's in his 20s millionaire that like just talks to young kids usually it feels like young kids it's like how you can uh you know create the ten thousand dollars a month side hustle and like he he's developed this mass following of like i don't know three million subscribers and he's built this like platform where he you know charges people and he makes it an absolute killing but one of my biggest pet peeves right now is it feels like there are 10,000 channels essentially being him. You know, it's the ex- ex- almost word for word exact video, you know, video titles. And and I'm sure that there, some of these channels will get the, the views. But when you think about a million videos being uploaded every day to YouTube, like you have to you have to figure out what is distinct about you. Who, who is your starving crowd and what do you have to offer them that is unique in this massive landscape if your goal is to build something long you know long term and leverage the audience to to scale some enterprise or whatever you know whatever your goals are so yeah i'm a huge proponent of distinct you know unique carve out you know who's your starting starving audience but the copying can work in the you know in the short term especially if you're new and you're just trying to get your feet wet it's 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 not a bad thing but I, i i don't think you should build a career a channel off of just copying, you know, a bunch of formats that already work, essentially. Your new venture, and we can circle back to to maybe why uh, you decided to leave Jubilee in a second, but your new venture is all about helping businesses uh, and creators build their channels, their audiences on YouTube. Um, I think there's a number of niches where it makes sense that you'd want to and and do have a clear path to standing out to being unique. But if you yeah. think about, uh, we were talking about in our pre uh, our pre call about the, the Blender company, um, or you're an HVAC company or something. Like, can everyone really stand out? Is there really a unique message you can you can share at a, a unique angle you can you can attack with every business, or is that yeah, just wishful yeah. thinking? I don't, I mean, every business is, is tough to say. I, I just think it's like almost every business. Like I, I've been surprised time and time again, as I've done these exercises with businesses where, you know, they, they'll, they'll come to me and they're like, you know, we're a, a solar installation company, we're a air filter company, we're a, you know, whatever it might be company. Like, can we even you know, do we deserve to be on YouTube? Is there even an angle here? And then we'll do the work and we're like, oh yeah, like absolutely. There's a ton of cool things you could, you could be doing. Um, and I think, I think people write off too many niches too quickly because they just assume, well, that's not, you know, you can't make interesting content off of that. And I would say nine times out of 10, they're dead wrong. Like, like a hundred percent you can't. Um, and so, uh, the 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 blend you know blend tech example is is a great one it's it's i think people tend to 
look back on that and you know almost like hindsight like 2020 they're like well of course it's a blender company like you could do cool things with a blender but uh it's not obvious like that wasn't obvious at, at at the time right the same same approach can can be had i think with any product or any service it's how do you come up with entertaining content that either demonstrates the value of your product or service or just positions you as sort of a um a leader in this in this space but all done like seamlessly through content people actually want to watch that's that's the goal for every business and i think it's very possible for almost every business should every business use youtube though no i mean some some are not designed that way some you know, their pr priorities aren't quite you know aligned with what it would mean to commit and invest uh, into youtube but can they i think almost all could could if they if they sort of you know dedicated or committed to to figuring it out in the long term for sure Circling back to uh, your your kind of in this transitionary period now, although you've already started working on the the new venture. Yeah, um, you mentioned earlier in the episode, but then also in this recent Twitter thread that you still think Jubilee is kind of at the beginning. Uh, there's mm -hmm. tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollar dollars in different verticals that you can go and attack on the back of of content. Um, and yet you decided to leave now. And so would love to hear just why now and what's the opportunity you're seeing that you feel like you, you've got to go and uh, attack at, at this moment instead of, you know, a year from now, two years from now. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, uh, a big part of my identity is, you know, building the, the business of, of Jubilee and, you know, scaling it. And yes, when I look at where it can go and we think about the, Disney of empathy, it it truly feels like just just the beginning. Um, I I think one one of it or there's couple couple things. One is how I'm wired. Uh, I tend to get really excited about the zero to one phase of 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 projects where like Jubilee now is you know well oiled you know machine. It 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 sort of hard to imagine you know it would die kind of kind of thing right and for some reason when there's that level of like confidence or it's like yeah is this this thing's gonna continue to work yes we can scale it and build new things and and i don't i i, I tend to sort of have the itch for what's what's next it, whenever whenever we're kind of like we've we've proven it can work i guess is what i'm is what i'm saying so i love the phase of like everyone's doubting you and it's like you know uh well i have no idea what this is going to be and um so just at the highest level i think that that that's where i'm most alive is 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 at at that stage and um as it relates to this venture yeah when I, once i started I, I went on sabbatical earlier in this year and i started just helping entrepreneurs and small businesses and i just was floored by how high the demand was from businesses and entrepreneurs like trying to figure out YouTube and then I was even more shocked I guess at how few of them I mean just like almost none of them had any idea what what you know where to start what they were doing like and so yeah I, when I think about the space evolving 
YouTube still to me is the only platform I can guarantee, you know, I would bet my money on that 10, 20, 30 years from now, it'll be thriving. And I think as people are looking at data, real data about how businesses are being uniquely scaled and built because of YouTube, the desire to invest in YouTube for long-term revenue growth will only increase. And so when I think about where things are headed, then I think about the need where it's like, so who can help these you know, companies or these entrepreneurs? I, I guess technically anybody, but uh, when you think about who's like, you know, could sort of raise their hands and be like, hey, I'm, I'm qualified because I've, I've, I've built a massive audience, you know, tons of views, you know, big actual ran a business and come from a business background. And I have this sort of like perfect blend of creative meets business needs and how to you know, use content to unlock revenue. It is not that many people. Uh, it's pretty small pool of people that could sort of raise their hands and say that I, I I only know of maybe a couple, maybe, you know, like if, if that. Um, and so to me, it feels like this ever-growing demand for YouTube to be used for business. Uh, there needs to be someone who sort of sprints to meet that, that, that need. And to me, just given my experience, my background, being fully business-minded, building businesses, but also creative and having scaled and grown you know, a massive media company with, you know, behind some of the most viral formats online. Like, I'd I, I feel stupid if I, I just feel like I, I, I need to, this is exactly what I should be doing. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, I have no idea how it's going to work, but I'm definitely going to commit to it because it, it, the, all the tail, like all the trends are headed in, in, in that direction. Um, so I'm c convinced it will work. Uh, so yeah, yeah. A little, little bit of a lot of reasons, but um, a lot more, I think, excitement about uh, what this can become as a, and, and yeah, that zero to one phase. I'm sort of back in that phase again, which is exciting. I think an additional sign that we also talked about briefly in like our, our pre-recording call, uh, but an additional sign of like support or that there's an opportunity here is when people are coming to you, like looking for right. answers. Um, and I think you had quite a bit of that before you actually committed to doing this. Um, true. It's always true. a good sign that there's demand there coming to your door before you you step into that, it. That's true. That is true. Yes. A little. I don't feel it was as risky of a of a of a jump for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, getting a little bit more in the weeds. Uh, obviously, there are a million different pieces to starting and growing a channel and audience on YouTube. But what are the what are the particular problems that you feel like you're well suited? Um, your background is in kind of strategy and growth within channels, but maybe even more specific than that. What do you feel mm -hmm. like you're well suited to to help these brands and these businesses and creators with? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a number of things, but I would say it boils down to um, content strategy format strategy like what what is the content you should be making that is aligned with your goals that's aligned with you know who you are as a brand and what you want to see happen and you know i, I think stress testing ideas through a, a filter that's sort of been built you know over the past 15 years 
it gives people a lot of confidence like, Oh, okay. So Ryan thinks this is a, a good idea to try. Um, let's, let's try it. I think a lot of people, when they come up with the ideas themselves, they're just like, I, I don't know. Is this good? I have no idea. Um, so being that sort of like, Hey, yes, I, I've done research as well. Like I'm sort of pulling from my database of, of knowledge of what I think works and formats and all that stuff. Like this feels really strong. It doesn't mean it's going to work, but this feels like a really good first step for your, your content journey formats. You should try shows. You should try individual videos. You should be trying, um, giving them the, you know, thumbnail inspiration title, all that, um, that gives people just, it is just sort of kind of like a, a sigh of relief that they don't have to figure all that out themselves. Um, and then there's two other things. One is, uh, I did this for for Pat Walls of, of of Starter Story, which is the the most effective way to grow on YouTube. And you know, I, I think a lot of creators will say this, but it's really just to make your next video better than your last. And if you can pick one, two key things from time to time, where you're like from video to video of okay, next time let me try to just make this a little bit better. You you keep doing that, and it, it, and if you're committed, like you're you're gonna get better, and and, you, and the videos will do better they'll perform better the issue people have um at least the people i talk to they're not sure what thing to improve you know right. it's like okay i i do want to improve but like what what did i get wrong or like you know what did i what what would make like the 80 20 sort of like what is the smallest or the 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 thing that has the most leverage uh, of improving the the next video folks don't seem to know that and so that's where also I, I I come in and I'm like, hey, let's let's break down your last video, kind of like a, a coach uh, studying game film with with uh, an athlete. This is what you you know I, what I would have done, what I think you can do next time. Even look at their data to to so it's not just you know coming from my gut, pointing to what the data is saying too, um, and actually giving them the roadmap for okay next time let's try this let's let's do this next time, you know when you're filming it try this way you know your hook your uh, composition of thumbnail, like structure of your story, editing, all, all that stuff, whatever it feels like ha will have the most leverage the next time I give them that sort of direction. So that's been really valuable. Um, I also help folks with training their team up. So they'll, they'll have, uh, uh, you know, creator, uh, they'll hire, have hired a creative, but, you know, storytelling on YouTube is very different than like you know, film school storytelling. So helping people to get caught up to speed there, I, I help with. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, my specialty, I, I don't know a lot of people talking about this, but this is where, I, I mean, this is what I nerd out over is essentially CRO for video. It's like, like, how do you use your video to, if you have a product or a service to drive as much conversion to, that product or service as possible in a way that does not feel salesy and is much more effective than just like a, a shout out, you know, intermission in the video. There's definitely a scale of effectiveness of, of pushing conversions in, in, uh, in video, especially on YouTube. And I don't think people quite understand how to unlock the most, the most conversion, um, I guess, uh, potential. And that's something that I, like love and and so I help I help people with that and and so all those things together 
if you think about it on like a year to two, this is my favorite type of person to work with. It's like, look, I'm, I'm going to one, two years. I'm just three years. I'm committed to those people. If they work with me, like it's, it's just, it's going to win. It, it just, it can't not. <laughs> so I, I mean, I have yet to, I, obviously I don't have like that much, uh, like a, a thousands of, of, uh, data points to, to prove that. But so far, you know, like everyone that I've worked with, improvement is happening. And, and, and when you extrapolate that out to one, two, three years, you can sort of imagine the compounding effect of, of, of that and, and the impact it'll have on their business. Um, so, yeah. You mentioned uh, the doing kind of an 80-20 analysis or approach yeah. to refining your work and experimentation over time. I think um, understanding that you think over a long enough time horizon, you can get people there, but in the near term, uh, it's going to take reps yes. and producing high quality YouTube content is not cheap. Uh, no. can cost thousands or tens of thousands of dollars a month, depending on what you're trying to do. Yes. Um, eventually people probably want to aspire to being able to work with you or, or create the kind of content you do. In the near term, for those who are like, look, I just can't justify, you know, dropping five or 10K a month to do something like this. What do you feel like is the 80, 20? What are the top three things that you consistently see that people should be thinking about when creating their own content that then allows them to take that, that next step? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For those people who uh, fit that category, I would if you remember those two sort of buckets of like brainstorming and, and, you know, the type of content you, you, I would go the, the more the second route, which is like the bottoms up approach of what seems to be working on YouTube and borrowing really just becoming an expert of like not copying, but trying to unravel what is it about the, the, the elements of those things in your niche across other niches that can be applied to what you're making to just un, uh, unlock similar, um, you know, upside potential with your content, and so I—that's where I would start—is be—is becoming sort of the researcher, the uh, you know, analysis, um, full-time, you know, analyzer of like what is working, and 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 sort of breathe the YouTube zeitgeist and ecosystem. And then from there, when it comes to execution on like the 80-20 on how to improve, I think I still believe that uh, a big chunk of whether or not you will win or not comes down to how you package your ideas. Like it's the idea in the first place, is it even an interesting one? Um, but then it's how do you take the idea, idea you have and put it into a, a concept that can be easily you know digested by a, a consumer browsing um youtube and it's highly compelling um and so working on and this is hard i think for people who aren't designers or, or or you know whatever it might be but i always recommend working with a thumbnail designer who uh, a, a lot of them a lot of amazing thumbnail designers just simply live on on twitter and and they are i think some like quite literally the best thumbnail designers i i only exclusively work with with them um pushing you know maybe it's paying a hundred or 200 bucks or whatever it is for per video to try and get the design better and better 
and then stress testing the concept as it relates to like is is this video is this concept something people have to have to watch or am i just kind of sort of more of the same of what you know already exists on on, on youtube um creating a threshold for yourself where you feel confident above which you you only make uh content above which sort of it passes that that threshold and then on the data side of how to improve there's really only i mean there's a lot of things you could look at but i i think the two the two places that i spend most of my time i think most creators spend most of their time is on ctr on and, and analytics the click through rate and ret the retention graph and so very few videos that i've ever seen have high ctr and high retention that have not like gone off and done e extremely well and so it's typically like one of something one of those two factors that's that's uh an issue if if the videos are not you know doing doing well um and so i think looking at your attention graph seeing where are the major dips and experimenting with ways to keep people wanting to watch longer or keep keep their interest um high especially in the very first 30 uh, seconds minute to a minute there's lots of ways to experiment with that but really honing in on the script writing the structure of the story to just even as yourself like as a consumer like knowing that your time is precious and most people who enter a youtube video are just looking for a reason to to kind of move on to the next one like oh i, I got what i need how do you address that in your in your structure your story um look at the data see where what it's pointing you to as far as like the biggest uh areas need for improvement and on the ctr side similarly like if your ctr is not above five if it's below four percent five percent i think you you've got you know major issues but at least above five and you know i try to aim above 10 10 percent ctr on on day one um then if it's not then you got to work on it could be the thumbnail it could be the title it could just be the concept you could have an amazing thumbnail and an amazing title but if it's just not an interesting concept or idea then people aren't going to click on it either so it's tough because there's nothing there, there's nothing you can look at on the data side that sort of gives you a foolproof like okay so next time if i just if i just do these things it will for sure be better there's not there's nothing like that but you do need to sort of develop a sense for like, okay, where should I at least be experimenting with and try to be improving to see if that does move the, need the needle next time. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of long-winded, but I think, I think there's like, uh, there's sort of the, the, the 80-20 of it would be really thumbnail, like thumb the, the concept packaging and the retention, looking at the edit, the storytelling seeing if you can keep people engaged even longer the next time. I imagine most successful creators, at least, at least in kind of this wave of YouTube, are employing this kind of strategy, this like scientific approach, if you will, yeah. to, to content development. Um, and yet, and maybe these are just exceptions and, and it is what it is. Uh, mm -hmm. You look at there's kind of this new wave of this like unscripted, really raw content like Sam Sulek comes to mind. And for those who aren't familiar, 
basically just videos himself driving to the gym and working out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's really no editing. Uh, I think the thumbnails are incredibly like plain. It's um, not really a thumbnail. Yeah, it's just like a screen grab or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 And and yet I think he's probably one of the fastest growing YouTubers out there uh, this year, at least. W what do you make of that? Like, is there is there a desire for more raw, unfiltered content? And how should people be thinking about that versus this like highly edited, pro overly produced type content? Yeah. So I have a maybe a nuanced perspective on this, like and, you know, people might not agree with it, but. I, I've I've been hearing talk on Twitter a lot of people being like, this is this is the new wave, right? It's like, uh, is this YouTube now? Like we nobody needs to, like we don't need to be making thumbnails. Like just let's make make sort of just raw, uh, authentic content. I think there's a, a element of truth to that, but what's actually happening is you see Sam Solak as an example is interesting one because typically who this works for and there are exceptions to this rule but sam Sulluck is like already had sort of like this cult following because of content being made around him so you had you know you have like derek from uh, more plates more dates and you know uh joe rogan i mean like huge names in the space be talking about him and they're like this guy's crazy like what is he doing like you know, viral videos being made about Sam. And so people are already like, fascinated by him. They're like, what is this guy doing? And so you have this sort of like cult following who don't, like he doesn't need to be making uh, fancy thumbnails. The people watching his video are not like, uh, this is my, my hunch. The people watching, most of the people watching his videos sort of already understand what sam is up to it's not like if, if sam were starting today from scratch and did not have familiarity or people did not know who he was if he just made the same kind of content he would be where he is today i don't i don't think i don't think so um and and yet he had to he did this style for long enough to where he attracted that cult following right cor so there correct. is a threshold or like this filtration event that you have to get to definitely um, and Definitely. maybe it's just volume or maybe there it was a stroke of luck and like somebody found him and just Yeah, I mean obviously Sam Sol like I I'm trying to think of more examples of this, but Sam Soluk is like I mean sort of a freak of nature, right? It's like it's there is something crazy exceptional about him right. that just looking at his raw body in its in and of itself is like a thumbnail. It feels like, right? It's like uh, so yes, I agree. Like he, he's made this content for a long uh, you know, period of time was posting on Instagram. So if you look at like Derek's video, more plates, more dates on, on Sam, it actually came from, you know, mostly looking at his Instagram content and like, you know, is he, is he natty? Is he not like that, that kind of stuff drawing a lot more. There's just a lot of p sort of cultural, um, discussion around him. That was sort of pushing, raising the awareness of who he is that I think completely helped the trajectory of, of his YouTube channel. So what I'm getting at is like, do people on you, is there, is there sort of a, a trend to more authentic content? Actually, yes. I, 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 think, I think people, this, this happens, I think YouTube has this like cycle all the time. Like 
format heavy, crazy concepts, virality, like maximizing versus like authentic, raw, you know, you think of Casey Neistat, that, that kind of stuff. Like YouTube goes through these cycles all the time. Uh, and is there feeling like a little bit of fatigue around the like Mr. Beastification of content? It, it feels like, yes, people kind of want, even Mr. Beast himself is saying like, the more he's slowing down, the more sort of storytelling he invokes, like the, be the better, you know, content's starting to perform. So yeah, actually, I do think that there's a shift to, to more authenticity. That being said, I wouldn't recommend anybody uh, or most people, I wouldn't recommend them to see that trend and be like, okay, for my channel from here on out, I'm just going to post no, like no thumbnail, like low production value, just kind of like talk at a camera and that'll work because people like authenticity. I don't, I don't think so. Um, so I, I think it's sort of this gradual, like implementing more storytelling, more authentic authenticity in your content. Still, you need your, your video to, there's still hundreds of thousands of other thumbnails that, uh, people are having to, to wade through and to find your content. So you still do, I mean, the, the, the challenge will always be the same. You still need your thumbnail to stand out in some way. And maybe you could argue going counter trend and just having no thumbnail perhaps makes your thumbnail stand out. I just don't know if that's going to work for, for, you know, most people. Are there trends that you're seeing, whether it's at like the, the macro level in terms of like, you know, this conversation we're having about edited versus raw content? or something more specific yeah. about like thumbnail elements. Um, is there some trend you are seeing that uh, you recommend people maybe not latch on to, but start experimenting with sooner? Um, I, I would say hmm, that the thing that stands out most, and it's not new, but uh, my friend, John Yushai, uh, says said this too and i and i agree obviously you know having like with jubilee we, we we had the same mindset but i think people like youtube today is a little bit more of like you start seeing a little bit more of like a variety show with with channels so you know in the past old youtube was typically like this one note like, you know, one style of content, one show, whatever, you know, it might be type of uh, type of platform that's really evolving. And I feel like it, it's, it has evolved, but I, I still feel it to be true. I think like a, a lot of people who, who come to me, there are some uh, people who have already YouTube channels, but they feel like stuck. They just feel like they're plateauing. And generally, you know, yes, we could totally talk about how your next video's thumbnail and concept and title like, like like we could totally push to try to get optimize and get the best out of the next video but in, in in general actually i think people would be best served to be thinking about how their formats can expand so what what does your variety show uh look like what, what is sort of your mix of content that uh brings the the mission the niche you're sort of trying to tackle to life in a way that also gives your audience a different sort of slice of you every time 
deepens your your sort of relationship with your audience, different perspective on you in, in different lights, uh, and keeps things fresh. Like you experiment with what works. And you know, we've created formats that worked for us for some time and then they fizzled. And so then we, you know, we constantly experimented with new ones. I think I think that that's actually really important is you can't just start your 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 journey uh, and be like, oh, that that's why I'm a creator today. Is like people know me for this, and kind of just stay within that sandbox and be like, well, I, why am I struggling to make a a video that does well in that sandbox? I think most people need to expand their sandbox. And so the trend I'm seeing, mm-hmm. and I have seen for a while, but I feel like we'll continue going forward is no matter who you are, what type of content you make, you should be asking yourselves like, what what are the other types of formats I could be making? Should I do man on the street? Should I go out and like interact with strangers? Should I do, should I be doing podcasts with like notable you know, people who have audiences on, on uh, YouTube or um, you know, what are my, I mean, it's more very specific to a certain type of creator, but like challenge videos or what, whatever it might be, what is the sort of format or formats plural that expand your content type keep you fresh on your toes innovative and give your audience sort of more of you um as long as they achieve your objection uh, objectives i think format expansion you know should be pretty high on people's priority of figuring out where where they go next as a as a creator and if you need any proof look no further than uh i think you guys have like eight shows now through through jubilee oh yeah yeah um yeah yeah so but we've we've made yeah probably 20 30 wow. more plus sh- you know maybe more than that probably more than that shows and uh they don't all work so so like that that's why to me experimenting around formats is super important cuz it, it flops until it doesn't and then the one the ones that work like you know at least for us really really work I, they just change change everything um so big proponent of format expansion that you know john yushai coins this sort of like variety show uh element but i i still think that's a trend that will last is that's how you grow as a creator is expanding who you are and how you come to life in multiple different formats this might feel like a bit of a left turn, but selfishly as a podcaster, and we were talking about this uh, briefly before we started recording, um, I yeah. told myself I couldn't leave here without uh, stealing a bit of your time to understand how podcasters should be using YouTube. Today, yeah. I'm distributing purely through Twitter. Uh, I think a lot of people don't even do that. They just like post to the streaming platforms, and that's that. Um I've heard from a number of people you should be posting, you should have a clips channel and you should be posting the full episode on YouTube. You should be doing shorts. What, what are the things um, you think podcasters should be doing with their content in regards to YouTube? Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because um, audio, audio podcasts have unbelievable, like listen sort of like duration uh you know when when we launched our our podcast um i was like blown away by by how long people listen to to the podcast on an audio only you know um experience that being said like the uh, similarly 
when it comes to like depth of of audience relationship with you know with with who's listening i think video unlocks just another another layer for where people sort of get to know you understand you know who you are more as a person i think i think it adds to your your leverage you know go, going forward and so and and for me i only i only consume podcasts on via video um cuz i i feel like i'm missing mm. uh body language i'm missing i'm missing a lot like i i just feel like i'm wanting to to feel like i'm there and and video podcasts give me that i'm not sure if i'm you know the majority of pers- people uh in in uh with that perspective but that's 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 me and so as far as growth and distribution goes it's different i mean like i can't say it's a one size fits all for every type of podcast but at i will say there's one thing that i would i i always uh, suggest to to people which is one of the better ways to grow on on youtube if you have a podcast is by trying to target as as much as you can trying to target people uh who are relevant to your to your podcast but have pre-existing youtube audiences so if you can if you can get guests regularly who have channels themselves um it's a it's a pretty fast way to grow on 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 youtube or fast fast-ish way to grow on youtube and and the 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 hack which is just depends on how much sort of guts you have to ask this is whenever you make the the podcast uh ask that person once it goes live if they'd be willing to uh, on on their community tab on YouTube to post that video all you do is post the link what happens when they do that is all of their subscribers in their news feed uh, in their video feed similar to where every other video shows up when when they post a link to that it it shows as if it's like it almost looks like it's a video that they published and it posts in their um you know subscribers feed and you know you have that person be like oh this is like the best podcast i've been on or whatever it is right any any note to get people to to go there and that traffic is super valuable especially if the creator uh, I, I mean, I would only do this if the creator has a relevant audience, which is who I think you should be trying to attract. That, I mean, I've done this now multiple times. It's like yet to fail in growing. Uh, like, it, it's it's just the fastest. So I did this with uh, um, Matt Gray. He he did an interview with with Dan Dan Co. And you know that video basically gave him like nine months like his previous nine months of of sub- subscriber growth in in just you know one one video uh and and audience was relevant like so he's like you know this is perfect and now now our strategy is to keep doing that so you know he's going to be uh he just recorded one with ali abdal like um you know cody sanchez is on the map like all all, all these people that have relevant youtube audiences it's a phenomenal way to grow so that's that's one thing this brilliant. is like my really underutilized i think by most people and it's so simple but it 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 can take you from like a nobody to somebody pretty quick um when it comes to clips i i think it you know it re- that's where i feel like it de- depends on the podcast type um at least for shorts i i, I mean like if you if you have uh com- 
types of conversations that can be clipped and you know you could see them sort of having mass appeal uh then 100% i would i would recommend short form content as just like a top of the funnel like get people in um the clips thing you know having a separate clips channel i think that's a little like i wouldn't start there i guess i, I feel like i feel like to start focus on the fundamentals of like getting the right guests bringing uh, an audience to your channel that is willing to watch a long time like you want you want that behavior to be sort of trained it's like anyone coming to your channel is sitting down to like watch a video for a, a long time um i think the clips thing makes sense when you have sort of this well-oiled like distribution method and you're you're just trying to reach like you know every corner of of the planet but i don't know that i would start there um i, I think i would start with m the best guests with like the sort of best distribution strategy you can think of and over time begin to to explore this idea of like a clips channel um but as we've seen like you know netflix you know joe rogan uh i mean plenty of podcast like uh ice coffee hour like plenty of podcasts that i watch have dedicated clips channel and they work they work just fine i just i wouldn't start there um so yeah the community tab uh insight is one i'm definitely going to be looking into that's that's massive yeah it's really simple but it it I, I don't know why more people aren't. Uh, I mean, have you heard of the tab before? Or, or, no, I have. I'm not as active on YouTube as a lot of people. I think it. I consume most of my content either through Twitter or podcasts, like uh, audio only. Um, been getting yeah. a lot more into YouTube recently. So cool. Uh, yeah. So that's fascinating to hear. Shifting gears slightly uh, and kind of revisiting, uh, I think it was the past several months where you took a sabbatical, but maybe it was earlier. Uh, mm -hmm. I think this is a topic that I've been talking with a lot of people about recently uh, on the podcast and off. Um, just this idea of, of taking a break, uh, getting yeah. some breathing room, um, kind of increasing your surface area, uh, figuring out you know what it is you want to do next. Um, mm. Having gone through this process recently, is there are there any tips or advice you would give for people on how to like maximize that? sabbatical time yeah that's that's a really good question um well one i learned that possibly a regular sabbatical is actually a really smart idea um because when you're when you're just like grinding and building sometimes there's just not enough like space to just pause and like think uh, and like one day of vacation is like not going to get you there. Um, and so, yeah, actually what I, what I did was, um, and I, and I got this from, from Mac, Mac Gray actually, but a framework that I used of like what potentially I might want next or, you know, what, what's, what's next for me is sort of like this like grid where on the, you know, on the left hand side you you list out all the things that you have hated about like the past five years or six years or whatever it is like things that just have driven you to the point that you're at now or assuming you're you know in a, in a like feeling like a in, a in a bind or it's a tough spot you're in and then all the things like kind of going forward that if you were sort of uh designing your ideal lifestyle like 
that sort of requirements that that are 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 necessary and then you know talking to a lot of people is super important i, I you know i would first conversation i had i think in sabbatical was with a guy named justin welsh and he's like this you know very pro- prolific writer online and he was famous for you know one one person operation that does millions at like 90 plus percent margins and so you know as he was talking to me i was like crying on the inside like oh my gosh that, that, that like seems awesome whatever you have is is cool um and i would talk to other people who've got like you know agencies and it as i was building over the past six years i feel like because i was so heads down i didn't even really get a chance to like talk and meet with other people and sort of see what their life is like you know when they're with their venture and and how how things sort of shape shape out for them so what i did was talk to as many people as i could across different like uh, um, industries, you know, career paths, uh, bit types of business to try and understand what are the pros and cons of, of, of that kind of life and took that sort of back to my, my framework where I'd be like, okay, whatever I do next, I need, it's a requirement for me to if I want to one day just take three weeks, four weeks off, I can't. Okay, well, that might rule out like running an agency. You know, that might rule like, like it, you start to create right. these like check boxes on all the different options. And so that's basically what I did was talk to a lot of people, understand how they r- run their lives, like what's possible, what do they like, what do they don't like, bring all that knowledge back and put that against my rubric of like, what did I hate? What are, what do I, if I could live a perfect life going forward, what would that look like? And I would check off for each of the possibilities of uh, you know future possibilities. Like, yes, this meets my my rubric. No, this doesn't, et cetera. And then I would just look at the options that checked off the most the most things. And honestly, what I'm pursuing today is 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 that like it 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 checked off the sort of lifestyle design that. Uh, that I'm aiming for, but it was, that's all, that was all rooted in hearing from other people and their perspectives. Um, so yeah, I, I, there, as far as what's next, I highly recommend talking to people, you know, doing a, applying a framework like that, where it's like, what do I really want? And do those, do these things, how much of that do these things allow me to do that? Uh, and then there's the element of recharge. So like, yeah, like uh, getting massages and like, you know, just going on daily walks and, you know, prioritizing sleep and, and, uh, uh, somewhat, you know, regular ish, like exercise, whatever it is, like those things, I think it was Ali Abdal who, who said this, um, was like, if you prioritize your health, your mental health, your physical health, and just the f- number one priority is that you are your best self. The rest will follow, and uh, I feel like that's true. Like af- after the sabbatical, I-, I I feel like that's true. Having given myself the space to to figure out how I can prioritize those things, everything else just sort of became a lot more clear. Uh, and so, yeah, um, highly recommend sabbaticals. Highly recommend talking to a lot of people and uh, and and sort of treating yourself right, your body right on the other end, you'll, you'll feel really inspired. Um, 
So yeah. Super thoughtful and proactive approach to it. Whereas I think we're, we're living most of our lives in a very reactive way. Uh, some people for good reason, like you gotta, you gotta make ends meet. Um, yeah, for but sure. if you reach that certain point in your career where you can take a, a step back and do this, uh, taking the approach you just outlined is, I think is super effective. Um, well, you, we've run way over. You've been super generous with your time. Just going to throw one final question at you that I leave everyone yeah. with. Um, what is one question to turn it back around on you that you would leave me and listeners with whether to think about or act on? Uh, th this actually came up from a, a chat I had recently um, where it's about integrity and, and integrity sort of with the lens of being true to yourself. I, I think what's made me maybe the most happy just over the past handful of months is really trying to fi like figure out like who, who I am. And obviously, you know, that that's an evolution, but what is it that like, what is it that, you know, you truly want like in, in life, like what, how are you wired? Like try, try to understand who you are as a, as a person and design your life to, to try and be the most authentic and like high integrity to, to that. And so the, I guess the question would, would really be like, I don't think enough people maybe think about this. It's, it's really just like, who are you really like what do you actually want and are you taking the steps to ensure you're 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 getting there even if it's a long you know time horizon because if you're not like i don't know that you're going to be you know happy in 5 5 to to 10 years or or you know whenever so I think there's got to be a lot of just a lot of work that people should take time to do just around understanding themselves and what they want and why why they maybe feel like they were sort of placed on 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 earth uh, to to do what um so yeah I, that that's the thought exercise I think maybe we don't often pause to to do but I think is is actually really a really powerful one it's what I think I focused on the past few months and uh, helped me tremendously on just like how I'm going to design my life going forward. I've recorded almost 50 episodes now, and I think some variation of that question has come up like right? a majority of the times. And that's not wow. to, to devalue what you've said, but yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that so many people from so many different walks of life uh, at some point or another point to this, some flavor of this question. Um, and I think uh, to a point I made earlier, like we're so busy running, we're on the treadmill that yes. we don't take the time to ask this. But if you don't, then uh, you're going to continue living a life that isn't yours. Totally agree. Ryan, this was awesome. I appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to following along with the, the growth of the new business, which we'll drop in the show notes. Um, awesome yeah. yeah thank you sir hopefully this was helpful uh, ho hopefully I, I shed some some knowledge that's you know valuable to you to the audience yeah i there was a number of takeaways for me alone that i think were uh were incredibly valuable so thank you <laughs>